the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, I never once have found throughout the Bible any verse that commands us to hurry. It's not there. Because the Bible understands our tendency by nature is to be impatient. We want God to work now. We want him to work how we want it, when we want it. But David understood here, and this is why he writes Psalm 27, in part, that God does not operate on our timetable. And yet, God is always on time. His timing is always perfect. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. The fast-paced world which we live in has trained us to think that we should get the things we want instantly. Pastor Gary teaches today that though we may expect things quickly, God takes the time that is required. He hears our prayers and knows our desires, but He also knows better than us. If you've felt forgotten by God due to unanswered prayers, remember that He hears you, loves you, and knows what is best for you. Put your trust in Him, and you can be certain that in due time, He will lead you to the place you're supposed to be. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 27 for part one of today's message titled, The Discipline of Waiting. For today, we're in the book of Psalms. If you'll take your Bibles and go to Psalm chapter 27. So good to see you here. Those who are watching live online, glad to have you with us as well. Psalm 27 is where we will be today. If you need a Bible, feel free to raise a hand. The ushers are coming down the aisles to hand out Bibles if you need one. Just simply raise your hand. One of these fine gentlemen will be happy to give you a Bible. Psalm 27 happens to be page 411. Uh, page 411 in the church Bibles. 411. You want to know information from God's Word? 411 is the page number in those church Bibles. Uh, I'm going to be reading Psalm 27 today. That's going to be our focus. It's only 14 verses, so just follow along as I read. This is a Psalm of David. He wrote the majority of the Psalms, and so it reads this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. 
Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I'm going to read that last verse again. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The title of my teaching today is The Discipline of Waiting. The Discipline of Waiting. Question, how well do you wait? Ever felt like someone didn't reply quickly enough to one of your texts? Ever got impatient while a website was loading on your computer? Ever felt like God wasn't working fast enough? That your prayers weren't being heard because the answers you wanted don't seem to come quick enough? Ever felt like patience was not one of your virtues? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you're in the right place. Welcome to today's Bible study. <laughs> to many of us, the word wait is a four-letter word. It is foreign to our vocabulary. None of us likes waiting. Some of you can't wait till this sermon is over. I get that. I understand. <laughs> and when it comes to waiting for God, it can be excruciating. And it doesn't help that we live in a very fast-paced society. I mean, here we are commanded in Scripture over and over again to wait, 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 wait on the Lord. It doesn't help that we live in a very, very fast-paced world. Everything is instant now. There's instant rice. There's instant pudding. There's instant soup. There's instant messaging. There's Instagram. There's instant news. It's 24-7 now. I remember, this will date me, but how many of you remember when you actually had to wait all day long until you got the news at 11 o'clock p.m.? Yep. And then I don't know whether it was our lust for news or whether the competition among stations or they started to give it even earlier. It was 11 p.m., then 10 p.m. news. Now we had 7 p.m., 6 p.m., 5, do I hear 4? Now we have news at noon. And now we have news 24-7. It's on a constant news cycle, and you get it streamed instantly with announcements and headlines to your mobile devices. It's, it's rapid fire. That's the world in which we live now. Now, to just kind of put some things in perspective, to talk about how fast things have gotten compared to how slow things used to be, 
Again, this will date me a little bit, not that I personally witnessed this, but I remember the day when having a baby was a two to three day stay in the hospital. It was like two to three days. In fact, between the earlier service and right now, my dad sent me an email, He said, and he's 81. He said, Gary, I just want you to know, it was even more than two to three days when I was born. When my dad was born in 1935, it was one week stay in the hospital for my grandmother, for his mom. Seven days in the hospital, and then when she got home, seven days on bed rest. And it was a natural delivery. It wasn't even a C-section. It was just normal delivery. Two weeks. Seven in the hospital, seven days in the hospital, seven days of bed rest. That's the way it used to be. Now, it's like somebody has a baby by breakfast and they're home by dinner. I mean, they're discharged like, like within the same day sometimes. It's, it's crazy now. I predict, I predict the way that babies are being delivered now so quickly and you're discharged so quickly. There's going to come a day, mark my words, going to come a day when hospitals have drive through lanes for delivering babies. I'm, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, friends. It's gonna, you'll be able to go to a drive-thru at the hospital, and you pull up to the window. They'll talk you through it. You'll be able to have a baby without getting out of the car. They'll give you a Cinnabon and send you on your way. It's going to be called Babies and Buns. It's going to happen, friends. It's going to happen. How many of you remember this? Now, this is particularly for those of you under 30. You, don't, you won't remember this. How many of you remember the day that taking a picture took weeks before you got it back? I mean, now it's like, take a quick picture, and in five seconds you can post it on Twitter, Instagram, and it's around the world in five seconds. But it used to be, for you under 30, this is how it worked. So you'd buy a camera, and the back of the camera had a door on it, and you opened it up. And then you had to go to the drugstore, and you had to buy film. And you put in these little these little canisters of film, and then you had to stretch, you had to pull it out and stretch the film across to the other spool, and then you had to wind a little bit, get it started, and then you close the back of the camera. Then you had to, if you wanted to flash, all right, you had to buy the little cube flashes. Remember those little cube things? And you only had four, four flashes, and then you had to get a new cube. And so then you take your pictures, and now, <laughs> how many of you ever did this, where you would take pictures like on Christmas morning, and then you'd put the camera away till next Christmas. <laughs> you could have like two years on one camera before you even got it developed. But then you'd get the film developed. This is how it would work. You'd go back to the drugstore where you bought your film. You'd fill out a little envelope, big envelope actually, with all your life's information. <laughs> Just, I mean, everything on there. You know, you color your eyes, your social security, how much you make. A year. I mean, it's ridiculous. And you had to fill it all out, then put the little spool on the inside, seal it on that little gummy seal, which you, you knew when you dropped it in the hole, you may never get that film back. Because it's going to fall out. It's so flimsy. You just dropped it down some hole. It went to China or something. I don't even know where it went. And then, like, in two weeks, you have to go back to the drugstore and get your pictures. My, how times have changed. Now we live in a very rapid-fire society. This is just the way it goes. Now, interestingly, the Boston Globe newspaper did a, an, a story, a feature story, a couple of years ago on the impatience of people in our fast-fire world. And the title of the story was, Instant Gratification is Making Us Perpetually Impatient. And they quoted this study done by a science professor at University of Massachusetts in Amherst, who examined the viewing habits of 6.7 million Internet users, and they were examining the habits of how long Internet users typically wait 
for a video or a movie to load on their device. What they found was in this study that people don't want to wait longer than two seconds. Two seconds for that movie or that uh, video to load. And the article said that after that, after two seconds, they started uh, abandoning it. Uh, After five seconds, the abandonment rate is 25%. And when you get to 10 seconds, half are gone. Half of these 6.7 million internet users were done if the movie didn't load within 10 seconds. That's how bad it's gotten. I can't wait 10 seconds for, I'm done, I'm finished. Finished. Takes 10 seconds, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Really? McDonald's, McDonald's two years ago, did a nationwide study on how fast it takes for someone to order their food at the drive-thru and actually pick it up at the window. Because they had customers in South Florida who were complaining about how long it took in the, dry, in the, in the drive-thru lane. So McDonald's found that on average, someone, it, it took someone from the time you ordered your food until you picked it up at the window, three minutes, 9.5 seconds. That's what this study determined, and McDonald's says unacceptable. Three-minute wait for your food. That is ridiculous. And so they sent out a nationwide mandate that the goal at every McDonald's should be from the time you order your food to the time you pick it up at the window, 60 seconds. 60 seconds. I suppose if you're going to eat McDonald's food, might as well get it quick because you're going to die quick anyway, right? So my, you know, that's the way I kind of, actually, I like McDonald's, so I, I'm one of those, now you know a little bit about me, that's terrible, but 60 seconds. Now, here's why I'm sharing all of this, because all this instantaneous stuff we have come to expect and love has turned us into very demanding consumers, and that translates in a relationship with God. Because since we live in such an instant world, we have come to expect or think that God is going to work the same way our technology does. Fast and furious, always at our beck and call, getting what we want when we want it. We've become so accustomed to getting things very, very quickly that we have lost the discipline of waiting especially when it comes to how we relate to God. We think that God is going to respond as quickly as the drive through at McDonald's. And yet all through the Bible, we are told to wait. That's why David ends Psalm 27 with verse 14, telling us to wait for the Lord to be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, the idea of waiting on the Lord is not unique to Psalm 27 or to the book of Psalm itself at all. It is all throughout the Bible, this whole idea of waiting on the Lord. But just so that we kind of get an overview of what the book of Psalms, just the book of Psalms has to say about waiting, here are a few verses to consider. Psalm 33, verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalm 37, 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way. Psalm 38, 15, I wait for you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord my God. Psalm 40, verse 1, 
I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. And Psalm 130, 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Now this verse, by the way, speaks of how watchmen would guard a city back in the day and they would walk the tops of the walls and they would have night duty the watchmen who were uh, on duty at night they longed for the light of the dawn when they could be relieved because it's tiring those of you who work night shifts uh you know first responders or uh you know in hospitals and and other other occupations you know what it is you work an all night shift you can't wait for the light of dawn because now it's your time to get relief and and to get rest And David writes this in the terms of, you know, more than watchmen long for the light of dawn are those who have waited for the Lord. Because when you wait for the Lord, and in his perfect timing, he brings refreshment to our weary, tired souls as well. Now, by the way, I never once have found throughout the Bible any verse that commands us to hurry. It's not there. Because the Bible understands our tendency by nature is to be impatient. We want God to work now. We want him to work how we want it, when we want it. But David understood here, and this is why he writes Psalm 27 in part, that God does not operate on our timetable. And yet, God is always on time. His timing is always perfect. Now, here in Psalm 27, if you look at this chapter with me, David seems to be in some kind of trouble or distress. He's writing here with anxious heart. He talks about in verse 1, for example, dealing with fear, being afraid. In verses 2 and 3, he refers to evil men advancing against him, enemies attacking him, an army besieging him. All right, this is the day of battle. David was a warrior, so even he, as as a valiant warrior, is afraid. Of dying. He's afraid of war. He's, he's afraid of what this means for him personally and for the nation. And he's got some fear in here. And, and yet throughout, and by the way, even in verse 5, he talks about the day of trouble. But throughout the whole chapter here, David also talks about his confidence in the Lord and how, for example, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. That's why he says, okay, I'm afraid, but because the Lord is my light and my salvation, Of whom shall I be afraid? It gets swallowed up in in the Lord. My fear does. It gets swallowed up in the Lord. He's my light. He's my salvation. Verse 2, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Verse 5, he says, the Lord will keep me safe in his dwelling and set me high upon a rock. So he, you know, I love his raw emotion all through the psalm. So he talks about being afraid. He talks about fear. He talks about his enemies. He talks about the day of trouble. But yet at the same time, we see here that he's not wilting under the pressure, because he understands that God is his stronghold, God is his light, God is his salvation, and so therefore his confidence is in the Lord. And he's actually, we see here through chapter 27, he's actually got a game plan of what to do while he's waiting on God to take care of him. Because if you'll notice in the middle of this chapter, the section, verses 5 and 6, is in the future tense. In other words, he's trusting God even though God has not answered his needs yet. 
So it's future tense. He's by faith saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at, look at verses 5 and 6 again. He says, for in the day of trouble, he, the Lord, will keep me safe in his dwelling. He hasn't yet. But he's saying, I just trust the Lord. He will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. So these things haven't been answered in David's life yet. He's saying all these things he's going to do while he waits. And so, for those of you taking notes this morning, there is actually a strategy that he explains to us here in chapter 27 that helps us understand the discipline of waiting. And the first one is, waiting is doing. Okay, because when he talks here about, I've got this fear, I'm I'm concerned about this, and you know, my enemies, and all this kind of stuff... Yet he talks here in future tense because he knows, but this is what God's going to do for me. And look at what he does while he waits. That was all verses 5 and 6 of what I just read. He says, for in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle, set me high upon a rock. And then he talks here about how I will sacrifice, verse 6, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy, where? In the tabernacle. And I will sing and make music to the Lord. So David doesn't just sit back and expect that God's going to deal with whatever his situation is. He actually does something, all right? And what he does is he goes to church. He's like, I'm going to go to the tabernacle, and I'm going to worship the one on whom I'm waiting for my needs to be met, for my situation, whatever the fear, whatever the anxiety, whatever the, the answer to the question that you've posed to God Don't just sit at home and think that God's going to drop the answer in your lap. You still, I still have the opportunity to be engaged in life and do something. David says, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm waiting for him. Might as well worship him while I'm waiting for him. Please do not wait to worship God after he's answered your prayers. Worship God while you wait. And honor him in the waiting. By acknowledging him as good and faithful and loving in all his ways, even though your answers are not all given yet. You know, look, some of you are waiting, for example, for a job. But you don't sit at home and wait for the phone to ring. You you still are engaged. You do something, right? You put your resume together. You go to interviews. You do some networking, all right? God is faithful to provide you the job, but he wants you to do something too. Just don't sit at home. Those of you who want to get married, you want to get married, great. Do something, though. Don't sit at home and think, someone's going to knock at my door and say, I've been sent from God. (laughs) No. Go somewhere where people are. If you want to get married, you're going to have to kind of meet some people. And by the way, a little word of advice. Don't go clubbing and think you're going to find a good spouse. All right? You know, I run into people every once in a while like, you know, Pastor Gary, pray for me because I, I want to get married. All right, well, where are you meeting people? Well, I'm going to some bars. Really? Do you, do you understand that if you want to find a spouse, you know, why do people go to bars to find people who don't go to bars? I, I've never understood that. Listen, go to church. Go to church. You will find, I found my wife at church. I found my wife, or should I say, which camera? She found me at church. (laughs) 
no, 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 that's not true. I found her, trust me. If she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. I'm telling you what, I... Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.